Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Business Academy podcast. Super pumped for today's interview. Uh, Ethan Dainberg here with the Business Academy, and I'm joined uh, with practice owner and CEO of Atlas Chiropractic and Wellness, Dr. Mary Schaefer from Matthews, North Carolina. Dr. Schaefer, thanks for hanging out with us today. Absolutely. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, there's a lot to discuss today, I think, and um, so much you've done in practice over the last few years that have really changed the game for your patients and for your staff and for the expansion of your guys' office, but I want to start off first, maybe having you share your story, when you got in practice, maybe what kind of practice you have, um, and uh, what were yeah, what was the genesis of yours and Dr. Drew together really uh, bringing this to fruition, what you guys have right now? Sure. Um, so, of course, my husband and I bought a practice that was already existing. We had been in practice as associate doctors for five years by the time we finalized the papers on our purchase. A big part of needing to get out is that we basically hit our ceiling of where we could be as an associate. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of great opportunities we learned with how to take care of patients and technology in terms of treatment options. So we loved that from our associateship, but we didn't learn anything in terms of how to take care of our staff from mm -hmm. that side of it. Mm -hmm. So that was one big thing when we were looking for a consulting company is that we knew we needed that side of it. The not as much. At first, we didn't think we needed as much business side, but we knew we needed a lot of staff um, itself, staff, just taking care of them. Yeah. So it was a big component. Uh, we bought our practice, which was pretty similar to what we had been practicing in, in terms of the techniques offered, um, the type of patient care plans, having CAs help on the floor as well as behind the desk. So that was a nice component. After we got into the business, we then realized, and we did our due diligence, like months and months, it was nine months from the time we first looked at it before we signed papers. And we made sure like, okay, we know what kind of treatments are being offered. We know what kind of um, staff salary is happening, their bonus schedule, their pay schedule, um, PTO time, all of that. But once we got in, we found out that everything was outdated. The manu yeah, yeah. The manuals we were working off of for just office systems mm -hmm. hadn't been dusted off in a few years. <laughs> we got yeah. the electronic copy. It looked good in due diligence, but the staff was completely. They were untrained in it. The protocols were out of date. Uh, yeah, I understand. Yeah, absolutely. And the way technology goes, you got to keep it up. Totally. <laughs> so right away, we bought our practice, uh, signed papers September 29th. And. Mid-October, we were signing papers with the Business Academy. So what was, so when you're in that moment, you had, again, from starting in with your practice, just a couple weeks later, joining forces with the Business Academy, what were you, outside of, again, seeing outdated SOPs mm -hmm. that the staff that came with the practices were not in tune with, what problems were, or struggles or concerns or uncertainties were you trying to resolve by finding a coaching group like the Business Academy, what were you really struggling with there in those first few weeks? Yeah. So as I mentioned, it being husband-wife combo on it, we needed just a third party to help us through our differences. Like Obviously, yeah. our coaches didn't make a vote for us, but when we were on split sides of a decision, they could help us come to mutual agreement. That, that makes sense. That actually brings me to another, I think, really important question for those that are listening that are husband-wife teams. There's a yeah. lot of husband wife teams, not only in small business, but also in chiropractic and physical yes. medicine models uh, and, and, and all these different small business models. 
And what I find a lot is when I walk into a practice, I, I see a bunch of staff and I see a husband wife team that's managing the business. And then every employee has two different bosses. Right. right? And then <laughs> if I don't get it from mom, I can get it from dad. If dad says no, I can go to mom. And then mom says one thing, but then dad says something else another time. And you kind of have to just navigate employees have to navigate those waters of inconsistency quite often. Miscommunication happens often. And then also what I find, and I'm sure you guys have worked through this over the years between you and Dr. Drew is, you know, you have, there's a certain level of professionalism a practice owner has to have with their team if they're going to be a good leader, but there's only so much you can do sometimes because you're with each other all the time <laughs> outside of the office, then you're inside of the office. And then those, those home dynamics can actually can show themselves in front of the staff which can cause further problems. So a number of different things that I've observed that people struggle with and, and that kind of dynamic or that employees struggle with with that. Uh, you can share with me a couple of things that you and Dr. Drew have done logistically in the office to make this dynamic work because you guys have grown quite a bit over the last few years Correct. and hit my, new milestones and are hitting big milestones this year. What are some things that the husband wife teams can learn about how to manage a team, a practice effectively and in an organized manner, even though it's it's uh, both you guys together outside and inside the office. Right. It's exactly what you just said in that organized manner. So initially going in, we thought we would both help each other make all the decisions, but then it turned into we're behind on making any decision because we have to both be away from patients at the same time mm. to make a decision as opposed to being able to say, okay, your roles in the office are this, my roles in the office are that. Once it gets to a certain level, it does go to the executive team. So we do have to sit down for certain components mm -hmm. and make sure that we're still in alignment with our visions for the clinic. But a lot of it goes back to implementation of the tools we learn with the business academy. Totally. Yeah. How has the um, how has like uh, putting an organizing board in place, like even just a basic org chart, kind of define, help you guys visually define each other's roles? Because you have strengths, as any practice owner has, and you also, I'm sure, have weaknesses. Dr. Yeah. Drew has incredible strengths, but also has weaknesses, both as a practitioner and as a practice owner. So, how did you guys use kind of like an org board or something visual to delegate each other's roles within the practice so you're not stepping on each other's toes or trying to make the same decisions all the time yourself. Sure. So it's just that we went in, listed out all of the tasks of the entire clinic. When we're talking about just us, it's like, obviously we're treating patients. We need to take care of the staff in one way or another. It was um, just us as the executives initially, no office managers, HR, things like that. So just kind of figuring out who's going to be more handling the staff who's going to be more handling the patients and from there break it down even more that's a good way to put it so you kept it real real broad at first you get all right who's focusing on patient care who's focusing on office administration staff administration right and then yeah. from there i think we all know that those then break down into subcategories of roles and responsibilities Very in the bad. business and then that's how you guys essentially divided and conquered the practice <laughs> so i imagine when you guys brought staff on if that was your mentality from the beginning, you brought additional staff on since you bought the practice, then the who's managing who was able to sort itself out pretty easily, correct? Correct. Yes, okay. very much. Awesome. And then, uh, okay, so now we we progress forward. What was your first, not even, not even so much an, an aha moment, but more like, okay, this TBA thing works. Um, the Business Academy has systems and trainings and workshops and consulting, coaching, and 
online, you know, modules for like almost every area of the practice. What was the first moment for you guys that you went, okay, we learned this, we implemented it, and it, it changed something for the practice or even for you and Dr. Drew? Sure. Um, honestly, that would be going back to filing taxes. Mm. The CPA, uh, our first year was just a one quarter finale. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta love it. Yeah. Just last quarter because we, we took over in October. And then going into the next year, at the end of that year, hitting taxes with the accountant, they called us in. They're like, we actually just need to meet in person this year, kind of figure out what's going on, things like that. Like, all is fine. So we go there and they're like, how did you explode last year and this year? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, well, it's one quarter and four quarters. Like, no. How did you explode? Even if you take one quarter and multiply it by four, that's nowhere near where the finances ended wow. at the end of our first full calendar year. Wow. So you guys just had a massive revenue jump. Right. Yeah. And then would you, uh, I mean, can you pinpoint, I mean, there's probably a series of things, but were you able to pinpoint <laughs> like what you guys did? I mean, was it, was it your headspace was different? Was it things that you guys did inside of the office that you changed protocols? There was something specific that brought in more new patients. Was it day one, day two? I mean, right. Was it all of it. Right. So of course that led us to like having a great evening and fun dinner just to kind of figure Absolutely. out what was going on. And a lot of it came down to all of it, right. Where we went into this business, um, we don't have children. So we had a little more flex on that time, mm -hmm. but we we're like, we need to make this right from the beginning. We want this to be at a certain level. Let's make it there. So everything that we could do to not just go and learn, have an amazing time meeting friends at a new seminar, we did all of that, mm -hmm. but then come back and actually put it into action. So we did some serious grinding in the beginning to be able to get it to a very stable, fluid point. Yeah. And so, you I mean, obviously you invested time away from the practice. You invested weekends. I mean, this wasn't just an idea you heard on a webinar that that made you an additional X amount of dollars next year, but it was really committing to the process. I mean, you guys, I remember you guys were flying to seminars every month, practically. <laughs> you were really um, putting your nose down and, and, and going all in. What, what do you say to the either the TBA member or, or non-TBA member that is just looking to kind of dip their toe into some to see if um, I can just get a consultant to help me out for a couple hours here and they'll give me some ideas versus going all in on this program. And then beyond that first year, going all in on that program, how has it affected you guys uh, ever since? Sure. So of course, TBA programs come with set amount of um, initial courses yeah. and data and training. So we knocked through that. Our coach was like, hey, I've got to get you out here. We need this much time. And I'm pushing back. I'm like, that just doesn't like I'm not making a dollar yet. Like I'm living off my savings. What are you talking about? He's like, just get out here, just do it. Yeah. So we finally were like, okay, he's pretty serious about this. We said we would sign up for it and do it. So we finally made it happen. So I came out actually for a full week that first time. Yeah. Drew stayed, Dr. Drew stayed back and took care of the patients and got through executive course after executive course, did the day one, day two training. Mm -hmm. And then just every night I would, that week was, I did not know what Florida was yet. <laughs> uh, so that week I would go home every night to the hotel, do some more studying or just laying out my plan of how to implement this based off what I've been learning. 
I was Amazoning things. The office is calling me like, what are we getting? What is the stuff? What are these shipments coming like, in? Yeah. Don't worry. Just put it in my office. Yeah. Deal with it later. Uh, so just really putting that effort in mm-hmm. and not just closing the book by the time I got on the plane to go home. Totally. That makes sense. And then, and then one thing you've then progressed into is now you have an office, the rock solid team. Yes. I think uh, a lot of practice owners uh, struggle with, with getting staff to to be productive, mm-hmm. to be engaged. Uh, they struggle with uh, maybe a younger generation staying loyal, right? They tend to transition from job to job. Uh, they might be suffering from staff turnover right now. It's 2022, the labor climate. It's just, you know, there's more jobs available for higher wages and they're losing their staff and other new people are getting hired at like crazy amounts. Like, like how do we navigate these waters? What have you guys done well? Because you've maintain you have, you have strong loyalty with your team mm-hmm. they're incredibly productive they are you guys take good care of them um uh but they stick around they, they really stick around with you guys what have you and you've gone through ups and downs of this too I mean, oh yeah like everybody has has it wasn't just like you hired these people and they were perfect from day one <laughs> so so you have managers in place now you have team members and cas that are productive committed give us a couple of things that help to create reduced staff turnover and increase more staff engagement. Yeah. So just from the logistics side, making sure we have set times for each staff member. Mm. We go into, of course, weekly team meetings. We go into weekly department meetings. And then we've got biweekly staff check-ins just Mm. to make sure that they are doing great. They're feeling heard. And there's no concern on that side. Yeah. We all go through life things and it's easy for that to infiltrate into the office. Yes. If we don't find out early, it's going to be a bigger thing. Right. And they don't want to disappoint you. And, and, and right. so they'll keep it to themselves usually. And, yeah. Yeah. And it's often something that you can help them through mm. and they don't have to suffer as, as much anymore. That makes sense. So, okay. So regular check-ins, uh, one thing I really, one that you have implemented from TBA and, and you guys have also uh, contextualized this in your office is yeah, just all of these these huddles and meetings and some people just go, oh, I don't want more meetings. I don't want more. Th- I don't have time for meetings. Why do you guys always make time for that quick five to 10 minute huddle in the morning, your staff meetings, your check-ins, your trainings you do with your team. You have these recurring regular, you know, meetings with your team. Um, why do you have them that way? And how do you avoid them from being completely unproductive? Yeah. So we have them just because we're able to meet in whatever fashion, whether it's a team, department, or individual, and make sure that we're all on page for that day. So the daily huddles, the entire team meets up, talk about the hot topics of the day, make sure that everyone's feeling like they're producing how they should be and giving, working through ideas so that they can create more ways of better production if they need it. Totally. So that side, it's just makes the day start off right. Anytime, like if I'm rolling in, I'm scheduled to start later one day and I, I personally miss that huddle. I'm lost the whole day. Mm. I can go in and look at everything, but it's not the same as just having that team engagement together. That makes sense. And how do you guys uh, use, how do you use gamification and you manage your team by performance statistics and they all have their individual stats. They have goals around, you guys have goal setting. Give us some uh, tips today that any one of our listeners can literally put in place right away that you guys do in your office that's kind of helps to gamify and, and make make work fun. Yeah. So just 
from the statistics standpoint, we'll have this really crazy, awesome title. My office manager can say it really fast. Yeah. Um, but what we call the Atlas Superstars Amazing Board. Of, I the don't Atlas know Superstar Amazing Awesome <laughs> Superhero Board. Yes. Right? Yeah. Some of that. <laughs> she says it so fast. It's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, but it's just recognition for them on a weekly basis. It's part of our, it's how we end our team meetings, mm-hmm. the weekly ones. And from there, we're just making sure that anyone who is upstat is being rewarded. So just like kindergarten, right? You get a sticker on a board, you feel excited. Totally. And you're like, oh, I'm one ahead of you. Or, oh, you just snuck past me this week, like just creates that internal competition in a friendly way. Yep. Uh, they can also get these stars by giving the most shout outs to their team members, meaning they saw team members doing amazing. They wrote out this fun little uh, shout out to them, tossed it in the box. And we read those out loud to everyone each meeting. Yeah. Just to remind ourselves, not only are we here to earn a living, we're here to have fun while we do it and make people feel better. That's awesome. So you and Dr. Drew have your your managerial, your leadership roles segmented very specifically. You have managers in place that also kind of underneath you guys that are managing core t- key team members. Yeah. You have regular communication through daily huddles, uh, departmental meetings, uh, staff meetings, trainings, uh, and then uh, regular check-ins with your team, gamify work, you set goals, you manage all these things. Um, there's there's a whole laundry list we can go on for an hour, I'm sure, of what of, of actual staff development systems you guys have created. But you've also uh, you've also invested in your staff a lot. Absolutely. Meaning you've had I've been out to your office a couple of times. Yeah. Um, uh, you've invested in training for managers and key team members. Talk about the importance of why uh, we know the, the reason it's important to, to invest in staff, but why did you decide to make that decision? What were you trying to achieve from that as a practice owner? Yeah, the first time investing in an individual staff member to that extent was for our now office manager. Mm. Um, we brought her on as a receptionist about a year after, almost a year after we bought the practice. And from there really worked to create her to a top level rock star front desk. Yeah which took no time. Uh, From there, we knew we needed to keep her in training, keep her uh, learning more because she would get bored. But I also needed backup on the the management side anyhow. So then just going through more of these executive courses myself, I'm like, oh, that'd be an amazing one for Jennifer to get in on. Mm -hmm. So just starting to invest in her, help train her up. So that way, when she and I have meetings from the management side, we're talking about the same thing. And how, how did you see her personal development um, increase from doing these things? Obviously, there was logistical systems she had to yeah. learn on how to manage the team, stay organized, grow the practice. But on the personal side, how was she able to, to grow? What did you see, what did you see in her as a as kind of like a her leader as she invested through that? Sure. Just way more confidence uh, with herself, but also of talking to others, being um, just a leader within her own community outside of the clinic, within her church community, things like that, and just enjoying life. That's so good. Awesome. So uh, one thing I think is really cool is that, um, you know, there's, there's, everyone has their own goals and practice. They want to serve more of their community. Um, they want to grow the practice to have more financial freedom, pay off nagging debt, put money towards the future, um, expand their practice, open up another practice, maybe have free capital to do and be more flexible. Um, but also they might have had something that they, a goal they've set for themselves a long time ago, right? And um, it's not, definitely is not about 
the money or the toys or anything like that, but it's, there's nothing wrong with rewarding yourself occasionally, right? Um, in chiropractic, I think that we can move away from being martyrs and we can serve at a high level while also taking care of ourselves and our teams and our practice and so forth. But I have to mention this because it was a super pumped for you guys. Um, uh, I remember when you guys got your first Tesla. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Right. And um, uh, again, you guys, both you and Dr. Drew, I admire you because you guys are very responsible financially with how you invest in your practice, how you pay your staff, how you um, invest in yourselves. Right. But um, you've been able to not only get the, the beautiful cherry red Tesla, but also recently you guys got a second Tesla as yes. well. So both you and Dr. <laughs> Drew have one. Um, uh, what did that mean to you symbolically when you were able to make that kind of decision comfortably financially and not break the bank to try to impress somebody with a nice car, but just to be able to have something you've always wanted to have and to be able to enjoy your life, but to do so with financial freedom and kind of financial responsibility in that level. It was just completely crazy because I've always had vehicles that are well-loved before I get them. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Uh, For a couple of my adult vehicles, it was to the point where the mechanics like, we're not touching that anymore. You need to get rid of this. Yes. Like, like, come on, just fix it one more time. Just hang on right up. Yes. Just a few more thousand miles, hundred thousands, whatever. Yeah. Uh, So it was just old vehicles. I never bought anything that was newer than 10 years old when I got it. And uh, for a good eight months, Drew and I were looking at a new vehicle for myself, not brand new, but just trying to figure out what type of vehicle we wanted, things like that. Because again, my current vehicle was getting to the point of needing a lot of repairs. Good old Coco. I I, I rode in Coco. She's (laughs) she's a beautiful SUV, but yeah, I had was coming towards the end of her side. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Coming towards the end of her days. Absolutely. So just kind of looking and looking and talking with um, a mechanic friend. And he's like, you really need to consider this type of vehicle. And we're like, okay, well, we'll look at it. But the price point on a Tesla is higher than pretty much all vehicles. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, it's just a daily driver and went in started test driving just to see we'd seriously been up and down the whole strip for all the other car dealerships. There's nothing that I just wanted. Yeah. And so I went to Tesla, um, well started test driving some Teslas and yeah. just found one. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is it. Uh, and then went and looked back at the accounting, talked to the CPA and there was no reason we couldn't easily do that. And just went, took a cashier's check right up to the dealership the next day and walked out with a car. Oh, that is so cool. <laughs> That's such a fun story. And it's again, you can, and it's, it's, it was perfect timing too, because gas prices were out of the, out of control. And now it, it, I think, it, I think it's awesome. And then also, also your, your new home is absolutely gorgeous. Thank you. And uh, again, it's not about, you know, it's all about material things, right? You guys are serving a much higher purpose with what you do in your practice with, with your patients, your community, and also with your staff, but it's really cool to be able to see that you also can have what you want to. And um, I want to, I want to get that across to all listeners, practice owners, whether they're already wildly successful mm-hmm. um, in their practice and financially, or they're struggling right now that, that they can have all that they want. And it doesn't have to take that long. I mean, right. considering where you guys are now in practice, there's so much more potential you guys have that we, that we're yet to get to, yeah. but just seeing just in a few years, the amount of uh, the before and after is just, it's like so cool and and yeah. that anybody in that position can 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 change their their lot that they're in and, and and move forward what would you tell um for the new grads that are watching right they're yeah. listening what would you tell an uh uh 
someone who's in school to become a chiropractor, right? They're in their second, third, or they're ready to do a preceptorship, whatever it might be. What piece of advice would you give them, whether they want to open up a practice or do an associateship or, you know, what would be a good piece of advice from you and the, and the experience you have for, for them listening? Yeah, two pieces. One being get out in shadow clinics before committing to associate or purchasing either way. Just see the different styles. We're, we're taught about the different styles of Cairo within school, but get out there and see them in action. See what makes you excited so then you know what you want to pursue. Awesome. Uh, so definitely that component. And then from there, just making sure right off the bat, you're learning how to properly handle a business, whether you are an associate or a business owner. The better you can learn it early on, the easier it's going to be to implement those visions you've created for yourself. That makes sense. Awesome. And what would be the, what would be the one thing you would share with a struggling practice owner, right? One that's just been at, 200 visits a week for decades or 30 to 40 or 50,000 a month with a bloated payroll and not much at the end of that. And they're just not progressing. Maybe they're doing 10,000 a month in practice and and they're struggling to pay payroll or they're just in a, they're in a rut. Um, what would you say to them? Sure. To a certain point, I felt that way as an associate when I was leaving. Um, I was managing a small clinic, a satellite clinic for the doc. And it was, I was the only doc in the clinic, which was no problem. But no matter how hard I pushed, because I didn't have that, obviously part of it being that I didn't have full control over all the decisions, mm -hmm. no matter how hard I pushed, even when there was changes externally, I just kept doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. I didn't have the ability to make changes yeah. because I didn't know how to. So within that version of a doc in their own practice, if you feel stuck, Something needs to change. Likely you're not going to know how to change it yourself or you wouldn't have gotten stuck. So reaching out, finding someone to help walk you through that. Awesome. I love that. Well, Dr. Mary, we could chat all day today, uh, but I want to be respectful to our listeners and hopefully they can take home some of these nuggets and Perfect. these ideas and put that into practice themselves. Your story inspires all of us. And Thank you, Dr. You. Drew, are, are just the very, I still feel like it's just the first chapter or two of a really awesome story that we're all going to be able to read alongside with you guys and to see how well you're going to be able to expand and grow. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Ethan. And thank you to our listeners for hanging out with us. Join us again on another episode of the Business Academy podcast, and we'll bring on more stories and more advice to help you grow in practice. We want to get everyone to phase two, right, Dr. Mary? Absolutely. So you do what you want to do, yes. when you want to do it, with who you want to do it, and you can have the things that you want to have as well.